Welcome to Women Over 70 Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Blue Lake. Blue Lake is empowering people to take control of their cognitive health by providing them with fun, easy ways to incorporate brain-boosting nutrients into their daily routine. Blue Lake was born out of the belief that nutrition is the best medicine. Led by a team of world-class neuroscientists, their products are rooted in trust, transparency, and quality. Cognitive decline with age is not inevitable, and Blue Lake makes it easy to take action. Shop now at bluelakeminds.com and use promo code WOMEN10 for 10% off your purchase. Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our weekly podcast. Our signature is sharing vital stories of women, 70 to 100 plus, who shatter the myth that women become irrelevant as we age. We appreciate your support. Join the Aging Reimagined Circle at womenover70.com. Promote your book and books by women and invite us to speak to your organization. Today, we are having a conversation with Janie Petkus. Janie is 75 and lives half-time in Hinsdale, Illinois, and the other half in my building in downtown Chicago. We met through our building's book club. Her upbeat, engaging personality immediately drew me to her. Janie's life centered on interior design. First as a teacher, then a student surprisingly hired her to decorate a newly acquired 6,000 square foot house, and that launched her career. Janie is nationally known for her work, completing designer showcase homes and is president of the International Society of Interior Designers. Her son and daughter both work in the business. When Janie's husband of 44 years died of a rare disease in 2012, her life turned upside down. The journey to finding a new way of being began there. Her life changed so dramatically, required a deep resolve to keep going. So Janie, welcome to Women Over 70. Thank you. It's nice to be here. We're glad to have you. And and let's start there when your husband died. And, and why was it such a shock? And what steps did you take to find yourself again? Well, my husband was only 67 and very active. He had been a football player, rugby player, all sorts of sports, and uh, had taken early retirement to help me with my my projects. I was doing projects all over the country. So he could come and help me hang pictures and just a lot of things. And his family members had all lived to be in their 90s. And so when he was only 67 and got this rare disease that literally over the 4th of July, he wasn't feeling well. And uh, he died the 8th of August. So it happened very quickly. And uh, the doctors initially had no idea. They took all sorts of tests and finally determined through really the autopsy that it was HLH, which is a blood autoimmune disease that that's pretty rare in adults. And they don't know how he got it. It wasn't hereditary. It wasn't contagious. It just hit him and went through his system very quickly. Mm. Wow. Wow. That had to be tough. It was. 
And we were in the middle of two very large construction projects, which I am involved with projects from the design phase with the architects through hanging and turning on the light bulbs. So they're turnkey projects. Mm -hmm. And we relied on, on Bob because he was working in the office. My daughter was working in the office. And then I had three other people, employees in the office. And um, we had to keep working to get projects done and pay the bills. So it was, it was very traumatic for us. How old were your children at that time, Janie? Uh, my children were already grown. They were out of college. And my son was um, living in Highland Park, and he now lives out in California. And my daughter uh, lived here in the area, too, and was married and had little children. I mean, my grandchildren used to come into the office and uh, sit and, you know, do games on the computer with my husband if mm-hmm. if they had to, if had a day off of vacation day at school. So it was definitely a family business. And so because these kids grew up, you know, with samples and wallpaper books and all of that, um, even my granddaughter, who is actually 15 today, she, uh, she has an eye, I think she will be an interior designer as well, because she likes to paint on, you know, she's selected her own paint colors, she helps her girlfriends, and that's how it all starts. So did you continue to work straight through even after he died? And, and- I did. I did because my my clients are like my family. I mean, I, I have clients that I've done eight and nine projects for and they get transferred somewhere else or they buy a second or a third house and they don't want to start with somebody else. And because of that, they know my my history, my life. But more importantly, I know what they already have, what their budget is, and what their likes and dislikes are. And uh, so they all say, why would we start all over? I did a project in New York City and my clients said, I don't want to have to interview people that don't know me at all when you've worked with me since my kids were little. So they were very patient and understanding. And of course, they were grieving the loss of Bob too, because Bob was just a really big, friendly, lovable guy and everybody loved him, whether they were my gay friends or my straight friends. <laughs> and and so you continued working and, and um, you know, you said your life turned upside down. So can, describe a little bit of what you mean by that. Well, Bob and I met when I was 19 and we did everything together. We loved being together. We loved doing things together. And that's why he took early retirement so that we could work together. He'd always helped, but it was always in the evening and on the weekends. And so he said, this is crazy. You're, you're working so many hours. I'll just, I'm not going to, you know, he was an engineer and engineers are problem solvers. So he would come in and he would help solve problems on design projects and, and just was a good business person to have around. And, um, when you lose that, and I mean, I had never even gone to a movie by myself, let alone traveled by myself or any of those things. And um, so for a while, you know, I, as I said, I had a lot of gay friends that would take me out and we'd do things together. But afterwards, I thought, I have got to learn how to do things by myself. And bit by bit, I started going to things, doing things. And And one of the things that I recommend to my friends who who have been widowed is 
I figured out what I what kind of trips I like to take. I like art. I like architecture. I like gardens. And so there were I could find different groups that would have those kinds of travel. And uh, I could take a trip with an art excursion that would be maybe four days long. And there would be totally all new people. I didn't really know any of them, but you get to know them because you have that common interest. And pretty soon, you know, the next trip, you're going to England to see gardens in England, or you're going, I I got involved with my church choir and the choir took trips and, and the choir members were all young. And I, I, I really, that's another thing. I just think being around young people that have energy, they were so wonderful to travel with. And we went to South Africa. We went to Cuba. We went, we're, I'm going to go with them to Israel this June. And because they didn't know, they really never knew Bob. So they didn't know me as part of a couple. They knew me as an individual. And that was really helpful because then you get to know them and you have a different idea, a different identity when you're by yourself. I agree with that totally. <laughs> Having gone there, been there myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really uh, wonderful meeting new people. And, and I really didn't have friends that were divorced or widowed. So I didn't have, I mean, as much as I would do things with my friends during the day, um, I like to go out. Saturday night was always date night. I We always went out and did something. So I did not want to be sitting at home by myself. So I figured if I could come up with a plan where I could go with somebody or be in a group where we all had shared interests, um, that was really a big help to me. Sure, sure. Yeah. And and you were working during the day, so daytime wasn't an issue. Right, right. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, you seem to enjoy interior design so much, Janie. Every time I've spoken to you, you just love it. I can tell it oozes. I do. (laughs) (laughs) So what got you into that in the first place? Well, it's, it's sort of, sort of like I was saying before, my mother liked to do those kinds. My mother was a nurse, but she liked to, uh, do flower arrangements and she would go find something at a thrift store and refinish it. She did her own wallpaper hanging and all of that. So when you grow up with that as the background, and I thought I wanted to be a nurse and I told my mama that I want, that's what I wanted to do. And she said, you will not be a nurse. She said, you can't stand to get your hands sticky, let alone get your hands dirty. You will not make a good nurse. And I was really upset about that. But the reality is I'm a people person. What I liked about the idea of being a nurse was was helping people. And really, when you're an interior designer, that's what you're doing. You're helping people get their homes so that it reflects them and how they want to live and what their family is all about. Um, And it's not really a statement of me. It's a statement of them. And I just help them get to that point. Mm. So then I went to after that. And you know what else? I was a a Doris Day fan and she was an interior designer in those movies, Pillow Talk. And I thought I could kind of be a Doris Day, don't you think? (laughs) So uh, my mom and Doris Day were responsible. And then I went to the University of Illinois and studied. (laughs) Oh, you actually studied. Okay, (laughs) I actually studied interior design. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yes and and um and so you know you did you work for people did you did you start your own business what how, what did you do no i was just one of these sort of cocky kids i guess because when i my i had my my son when i was 24 and my husband had been laid off and I started working out at Harper in Palatine, helping them with registration, really. And I got to know the man who was the head of the adult education. And he said, well, what did you actually study? And I told him, he said, would you ever be interested or willing to teach an interior design class? Well, when you're 25, you think you can do everything. And I said, oh, sure, I can do that. I'll be glad to do that. And he said, well, my, my instructor that is supposed to teach the eight week class, um, isn't going to do it this year. And she said, he said, you can get some slides from the interior design department because they have a program out there and you could do this adult education class. So literally I went to the library, made an outline and I would give one lecture, show the slides. And then the next, as soon as I got done, I'd go to the library the next day <laughs> and uh, prepare another one. And we would have fun in the class. So then people would say, well, now that we've got eight weeks, aren't we going to have some more? And then we ended up doing a second eight-week session. So I did that for about four years, five years. That was before we moved to Hinsdale, and then it got to be kind of a long drive. So then I went to College of DuPage, and I did it for them. I did it for the Park District in Hinsdale. And, you know, each time I would teach a class, somebody in the class would say, I don't want to do this myself. I need you. I don't know enough. We need to hire you. And um, there was a woman that that was in my class when I when I had my son was just a baby. He wasn't even a year old. Who's who was probably my mom's age. She said, my husband sold his business and we're building a house. I know what I like and I think we could work together. Would you be my interior designer? And I said, well, I'm not even in business. I don't know. You know, I know what to do. I said, I haven't got any accounts or anything else. But there'd been a man who who I had taken my students to who sold carpeting. And he said, well, I'll sponsor. At that point, you had to be sponsored to get a, a mark pass. He said, I'll sponsor you and you can, you know, that way you'll get started. So I thought, well, I told Janine and she said, oh, we could do this. We'll we'll do it together. So. We, the house was 6,000 square feet, and this was probably in 1974, maybe, which was a big, it's a big house now, but it was really big at that point. And she, uh, she knew what she liked, and we'd go to the mart. And the most important thing was that you have to have capital to start a business. I mean, when you don't have accounts, you have to pay pro forma. You have to pay everything at front. And my plan was to just ask for half. But uh, Janine, I think, knew she didn't ever say this to me, but she knew I didn't have that kind of money. And uh, she said, you know, I don't want to keep writing checks to you. I'm just going to write one big check and you can just keep track of it and tell me what the costs are. And so that's how I got started. And because because she paid me money, I could pay for the product and open accounts with all the showrooms at the Mart. And um that's why I always said God wanted me to be an interior designer because I'm not sure how I would have financed it otherwise. <laughs> and so you, um, where, where did you do designer showcase homes? I know they can be really wonderful. Yeah, well, I, I did the 
Park Ridge Youth Campus used to do them. And those those were in Winnetka and Wilmette and Highland Park. And then when Lake Forest started doing it, I did four. I, I did 23 of them altogether. So I've done most everywhere. But I did several. I did six up in Lake Forest. And then I was president of the International Society of Interior Designers, the Illinois chapter. And we did one. And so as a result of that, I'd met with all the attorneys and I had all of the contracts and so forth. And then Hinsdale decided they were the great, the Episcopal Church decided they were going to do one in Hinsdale. So I act as an advisor for them. And I did, I think I did five of their show houses there. The only one I never did was Oak Park River Forest because that was an ASID show house. And you had to be a member of ASID in order to even be considered. So I went to all the ones at Oak Park, but I never participated in any of them. Uh I used to go on walks, designer showcase walks. House walks. Well, I had a lot of clients that were perfectly willing. I mean, they did it for me mostly because if I asked them, they would do it. If the charity asked them, they, they were a little apprehensive. And I say, you know, I will stand in there. I will make sure that nobody, I won't, you know, I won't say anything you don't want to be said in the rooms. And, and so, yeah, my, I had a lot of houses in Hinsdale that were on the, the Hinsdale, the AAUW housewalk was in Hinsdale. Yeah. And then, uh, and now with COVID, it's all the gardens. Walk, yeah. Walking in neighborhoods to see all the gardens. Well, we did that too. These houses that I've worked on in Hinsdale, we're also because I'm a gardener. I love to garden. So I would when when people build new houses, I'm involved with the landscape people. I guess basically I'm a control freak because I like to be involved with all the architecture, the lighting, the roofing materials. But the contractors just want answers to questions. And if I'm on the job, they'll ask me questions. And and that's how it, they need somebody to be overseeing everything. And the landscape is part of what the outside the house looks like. You have to have the right lighting and plant materials and everything else. So I'm a control freak. I like to do it all. You do it all. <laughs> I do. I get involved with all of it. Yeah, that's terrific. And and I think you told me that at one time you had a show on HGTV. I did. Um, I ha- had been doing uh, talks at the various antique shows, the one in uh, Winnetka and then Hinsdale had an antique show. So I did speaking things at those. And uh, this man came up to me and he said, would you be interested in talking about antiques on a program called Decorating with Style? And I said, well, I've never done any TV before. And he said, oh, I think you could do it. So uh, so I met with the rest of the staff and we filmed it all down in Nashville. And so I would haul, haul all my antiques down there and talk about them, and um, they would film them, and we would be there for a whole week. Bob and I would go down there, and um, it was a lot of fun because once you were done filming, then you had the rest of the day to do whatever you wanted in Nashville, and there was always something to do in Nashville. <laughs> so this was House and Garden TV? Uh, no, it was, well, yeah, HGTV, I guess it's what is it? House Garden Television? It, I just know it as HGTV. Yeah. <laughs> Probably everybody else does too. <laughs> but the director and the producers came from New York City. They were from New York City. And so they came down to Nashville and I came from Chicago. And then they used local people for the technicians for the lighting and all the rest of it. Yeah. 
I'd like to ask a question. Uh, Janie, many of our uh, listeners are uh, contemplating home, where to live and and when to move or not to move. Now, you you have two homes in Hinsdale, Illinois, and in downtown Illinois. They're not that uh, they're not that far apart. So I'm just curious about uh, why two homes? Why live in two different places? Well, Bob and I had an apartment in the city because we were always going to a lot of city activities: the the symphony, the the Art Institute, the theater, and we go to church at Fourth Press. So we were in the city quite a bit, but my work and my office and my clients were all pretty much out in the suburbs. And that was made more sense. And we raised our kids out here. We wanted them Mm -hmm. to go to the schools and everything out here. And when Bob died, um, I I gave up the, the rental one. And then I was working with an architect right next door to to the Buckingham. And I thought, you know, I probably more likely to use it now because I still was going to all of those activities in the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, that's when I decided that. And I like the Buckingham because I, I like gardens. I love being right across from Maggie Daly Park. And I was mm-hmm. involved with Parkways with my, Maggie Daly on when they were planning parkways and planning Maggie Daly Park in her memory. So uh, I thought it was a perfect place for me to go. And then, and I, and I guess at one point I thought maybe I'd sell my house, but COVID came and I realized I love my garden and mm-hmm. being in my garden when I'm across the street from the grade school and the kids walk by and they'd say, hi, Mrs. Petkus, you know, and, and I, and I was planting gardens. They'd ask me questions and I thought, well, I really don't want to give up all of that. Mm-hmm. So I thought as long as I can afford to do this and uh, share my condo, my kids like to go down there and stay. My 15-year-old, my granddaughter's birthday party with all of her teenage friends is going to be there tomorrow night. Um, you know, it's an investment. It's, it's mm-hmm. just the same as having stocks, but you can actually use it. That's how I justify <laughs> it in my brain. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so that's that's kind of how how and and I'd I'd be hard pressed to decide which ones to get rid of right now because I like both. Yeah, I hope you don't have to. That's terrific. Keep them both. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So Janie, you know, we always like to ask how how do you think about aging, or do you think about aging? Well. I, it's difficult because as as I start to have friends that are having dementia and having health problems, you you can't help but but think about it. But um, number one, I exercise a lot. I take a class, an exercise class, three mornings a week, and I think if you just keep going and doing, and and I also like to be with younger people. I really enjoy. I'm in a book club out here in Hinsdale, and they are all. 15 to 20 years younger than I am. And I mean, you've met Mary Ann Gale. She's one of my book club people. And, um, and, and I think if you're with, with younger people, it keeps your mind alive and alert and you, you know, what's going on. And that's sort of important to me. I mean, obviously sooner or later, you can't move as much as you used to be, but the more I can do and more people I can be around, the happier I am. Yes. COVID was hard when you're a people person and COVID was hard and I couldn't go to church and I couldn't go for a lot of the things that I was used to doing. 
that 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 had become my coping mechanism. I mean, it's been nine and a half years since Bob died, so I had to get a coping mechanism, and and it all revolved around people. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I totally agree. Absolutely. So, um, is there anything else that you are thinking about? What is there anything different you would have done in your life? Is there? Would you have? told your younger self something else that, that hasn't materialized? I I really don't think so, because I think I feel like marrying the person I married, which <laughs> I get emotional every time I talk about, was the key to my success. Mm-hmm. He, he was such a supportive person and wanted to join in and was just easygoing. Everybody loved him. And that's a big part of your happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, and maybe one day I'll find somebody else that, that I enjoy being with, which is fine. I'm looking, I mean, and I know Bob would say that too. He'd say, you know, do whatever makes you happy for heaven's sakes. Don't, don't worry about what, what people are going to think. And I said, all right. So I got unmatched and I did different things. So you never know. But uh, in the meantime, I think just staying active is important. Yes. Okay. Well, this was wonderful. Catherine, did you have any other questions? I, I just want to hear a little bit more about Match. Were you on Match.com? <laughs> I was. I and was, you said was. And, and well, I, I still am. Here's what happened. My kids, my son and daughter both wanted me to do that. And they have a friend whose name is Bella Gandhi, who who you've probably seen her. She's been on the Today Show and a lot of different programs. And uh, she did a consulting kind of thing. And she actually took my photographs and helped me get on get on match and kind of walked me through at the beginning. Now, this was six years ago. And and because I wasn't comfortable with with how to do it and all of the technique, they were invaluable. I mean, you pay a fee to do it, but I don't regret that at all. And um, and I've on and off dated different people that I had met through that or, or other things. And uh, and actually, I am seeing somebody now who uh, you, you guys will laugh because he and I have been texting for mm, eight months and I finally got together with him about three weeks ago for coffee, and we've gotten together again. And I hope that it's going to work. I mean, we've had fun, but the texting is a riot. I mean, we we text proudly every day, and um, it and it's fun. And he's he's twelve years younger than I am, and I I mean, he knows how old I am. So from the beginning, but. Um, you know, we have a lot of things to talk about, and he lives out here in Downers Grove, so. We'll see, but whatever, it's fun, and um, I I enjoy it. I'm I'm not worried about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> thank you for thank you for sharing that. That's great. I love it. <laughs> Good for you. Very, very- my my children don't even know about him. Oh, Just now they do. Me. Yeah, <laughs> okay, because right. they they um, I think they would say, "Mom, how can you text somebody and have a relationship?" for six months. And I said, well, don't you do that? I mean, you hire people in your business that you have never met in person and you hire them based on a resume and maybe talking to them, but mostly just exchanging texts and emails. 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's different. I said, well, this is like having a pen pal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> huh? oh, well, keep us posted, please. <laughs> I, I certainly will. <laughs> All right, Janie. Thank you so much for being on, on Women. Thanks, Women. guys. This is fun. And listeners, uh, subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. Visit womenover70.com to access all of our episodes and easily search by name or category. Join us on the first Tuesday of each month to enjoy programming beyond the podcast hosted by Aging Reimagined Circle. And we'll see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined.